Welcome to the Kenosha City Church Podcast. Through every storm, there's a light guiding us to safety, giving us hope. Stay focused on the light. In this message, Pastor Brandon McCowan will be addressing youth and mental health. Enjoy the message. Check, check. Good morning. One more time. Good morning. How are you guys? Okay, so one thing about me, especially if you're viewing online, you can try to holler back if you're online also. But um, one thing about me is that I don't want to fall asleep. So when I say something, give me crowd participation. So really quick, <clears throat> how are you guys today? <laughs> Let's go. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Brandon McCowan, and I am the youth pastor here. And with me being the youth pastor here, um, I actually do really quick, kind of want to promote something really quick if that's okay with you guys. Tonight is a really big event for our youth ministry here um, at Revolution Youth. We're doing a thing that is called Back to School Bass. And so I know many of you, especially if you're a teenager in here, um, you might be heading back to school. If you've gone back to school already or if you're viewing online, feel free to raise your hand. Or if you're online, do a raise the hand emoji. But who in here is back in school? Anybody? Nobody's back in school yet? Oh, you're back in school. Okay. Tuesday? So who's going to be coming back into school like this next upcoming week? Okay, a decent amount of people, decent amount of people. Um, majority of people are not happy that summer break is ending. I was never a very happy individual when I'd figure out that my summer break was ending because then my freedom was gone because I had to do school, which is very sad. Um, but we're going to be bringing in the school year with a bane. And so tonight we're going to be having a thing called Back to School Bass where it's a big outreach event where we're giving away an iPad, we're giving away AirPods, there's going to be a bunch of games, there's going to be um, a rap performance from a very famous rapper that's definitely not me, and it's going to be a really fun night, and so the doors open at 6.30 p.m., and so if you're between the grades of 6th and 12th grade, seriously, we would love to have you there. It is going to be legitimate, and so I am excited. Uh, today... I have been blessed, obviously, with the opportunity to share with you all. And so to kind of intro in, um, when I was younger, I was a out there, rambunctious individual. Um, I always made a lot of weird noises, and it was fun. Um, but there was this thing that I would always tell my mom and dad. And it would usually be when something uh, didn't go my way. It would usually be, say, I had to do school or do homework, or she told me to go clean my room. I would, and I'm going to go full youth pastor mode right now, so if you're not awake, you're about to be. But I would literally, I'm going to take away the microphone, I would literally do this when they would tell me to do something. <clears throat> ah, mom, I have the bad feeling. She would be like, okay, um, hey, Brandon, could you go and... Uh, do the disses or dry the disses because I know that every time you wash the disses that there's always marks in there. Mom, I have the bad feeling. Without a doubt, almost every single time, I would do that. Um, I, I did a similar sermon to this uh, for Revolution Youth a few weeks ago and ended up calling my mom during the entire, you know, sermon. And I, I put her up on the microphone. I was like, hey, Mom, did I used to do this? And then she told and then she told everybody right in front of uh, everybody that I was, I probably did that to get out of things I didn't want to do. And I was like, you know what? That makes sense. Um, but overall, that really crazy and weird thing that I would do 
You guys are probably going to make fun of that of me for a long time now. But I heard that the last time I did a sermon, because, like, when I said, like, hey, what is John 3.16, I, like, apparently did this. And everybody's been making memes of me for doing that. But um, when I would do that whole, oh, bad feeling, in the end, that was a form of anxiety that I was experiencing. And that anxiety in my personal life only got worse as the years went on. Both anxiety and depression, but I would say majority of it was just a very heavy anxiety that I would experience. And I'm pretty sure that I'm not the only one in this room who walked in here who has had an experience with anxiety, depression, or suicidal thoughts. That is right. Today, as you can see up there, we are talking about mental health, youth and mental health. Um, you know, there, there might be a slight direction towards youth just because I am a youth pastor, but I want, I want you guys all to know that everything I'm going to be talking about today that is applicable to you in your everyday life, so whether you are 89, whether you are 29, um, th this is all stuff that I, I hope can be beneficial for you to hear. Um, but I personally have a very, very strong belief that the church as a whole should not be silent about this issue. Last time I was up here and I, talk, and I talked with you guys, I, I kind of, you know, did a Cliff Notes version of talking about mental health with um, Generation Z. Um, but mental health across the board, the statistics are on the rise. And we're going to be bringing up a few of those statistics in a little bit. But it is a huge issue in our society. And so us as a church, we're supposed to be the ones who are offering hope. Amen? And then so if it, we have the best hope that you can ever think of. And so if we're to hold it all in and then not offer hope for those who are experiencing struggles with anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, bipolar disorders, multitudes of different things that we're going to talk about in a little bit, um, that would just lack benefit. And so since it is such a big issue, I believe 100% that we should not turn a blind eye to it at all. Um, and plus, especially when it comes to mental health, many people, um, they're told that mental health things are just, you know what? Yo, that is all in your head. You're making it up. Um, and the problem with that is that when you're told that it's all in your head, that it can cause different, almost insecurities to develop. And then you can start doubting if you even have um, certain issues. And it can just make you not want to talk to anybody about it just because you feel insecure. Maybe, you know, your, your, your mom or dad when you were growing up told you that that thing that you were experiencing was something that you were just making up. And so thus, it causes you not to address the real problem that it is. Um, that's another reason why I feel that we should be talking about it. And in reference to people always saying, hey, you know what, mental health issues, that's all in your head. Um, they're technically right. I mean, it is technically in your brain. And so they're onto something, but it isn't a bad thing at all. Um, and it should not be used whatsoever as a way to undermine how much of a real issue that it is. I am going to put it like this. Our brain is a part of our body, right? Wouldn't you say that it's a part of our human body? So our body, would you say, in the chat you can participate if you want, would you say that our body can have issues? If someone gets a sickness that runs in the family, maybe, you know, the grandmother had it, great-grandmother, and it runs down in the family, and then you, 
end up getting the sickness that runs in the family. Is that your fault? If someone was born with, let's say, a birth defect, maybe they were born with one eye, is that their fault? No. And I would say that's the same thing many times with mental health. And so if you struggle with it, there lacks a benefit to just sit there and beat yourself up over the fact that you have that issue. You're not saying absolutely, because some mental health conditions can be developed through possibly partaking in things that you shouldn't have partaken in or um, what you grew up in, the environment you were placed in. But many times, it isn't specifically your quote-unquote by definition fault that you have a struggle with mental health. So, and plus, I don't think people wake up one day and just say, you know what? I want to be bipolar. I've never seen that happen. I mean, maybe it has, but I've yet to see it. And so, and plus, the chemicals in our brain are a very, very powerful thing. And imbalances can easily happen. I will even say that um, you don't even have to have a chemical, quote-unquote, imbalance to struggle with mental health. Because our emotions themselves are a very powerful thing. And we're humans, right? We're not perfect. And then we, we need to learn how to um, deal with our feelings and how to navigate them. I know I still am. But sometimes our emotions can be so powerful that they can develop mental health issues. And so it might not even be a chemical imbalance that you and your life might have. Um, but mental health includes many things, whether it's emotional, chemical imbalances. Um, but there's multitudes of different mental health conditions. And so I, I think that it would be beneficial if we went over some of those. And this is kind of a huge list. And so get ready. Um, I brought forth the slide that from when I talked about the youth, with, talked about this topic with the youth. But what are some mental health conditions? There's quite a bit, and even at the end, it says more. There's depression, anxiety, PTSD, bipolar disorder, paranoia, schizophrenia, eating disorder, ADHD, OCD, borderline personality disorder, self-harm, body dysmorphic disorder, panic disorder, and more. And many of people can have these conditions that are up there and not even know it. Some of these things can be caused by those chemical brain imbalances, right? But some also can be caused by genetics. They can be caused by internal conflicts you might have or the environment that you are placed in. Additionally, I have some statistics I'm going to show you guys. And don't bring up those statistics. Okay, they brought them up. It's okay. Um, it, no, you can bring it up. It's fine. Um, and so since I focus on the youth side of things, I just thought I would show you guys what Generation Z teenagers today are experiencing statistic-wise with mental health. 31.9% of teenagers have an anxiety disorder. One in five are said to suffer from clinical depression. Reported feelings of sadness and hopelessness, and this is ever since 2020, um, are currently at 44.2%. And then also since 2020, 19.9% have been reported considering suicide. Isn't that crazy? Us as a church, we need to not be silent about this. This is a real problem. And, and just that's just teenagers. If I were to sit here and bring forth all the statistics for, let's say, the age ranges between 20 and 30, and then 
all of Generation Z. Okay, what about Gen X? What about, like, if I were to bring that all forth, it, like, this isn't even the full, complete pie of all the craziness of the mental health struggles that in America that we're dealing with right now. It is crazy. And so, and reasons, like, that's just, every time I look at that, I get sad to know that teenagers are experiencing this. Um, some of you in here today, you might struggle with mental health. One of those things that I listed earlier, um, that might apply to you. And I want to bring some clarity on a few things for you all. And the first thing that I want to bring clarity to is that if you struggle with mental health, it doesn't make you a less than Christian. Having depression, having anxiety, if we go theologically speaking, that is not the indicator in which somebody makes it to the kingdom of God. That is not the indicator of how somebody makes it to heaven or hell. The indicator is if you believe that Jesus died and rose again for your sins and that you try to live a fully devoted life to him. That is the indicator, not, oh, I have anxiety. Darn it, I'm not going to heaven. I have a bipolar disorder. Darn it, because of this, I'm not going to heaven. I don't know if you've ever been told anything along those lines that you can't be a good Christian because you have this quote-unquote condition, but I want to tell you right now that that is a lie from Satan that has gotten into your head because that is not biblically true. Whether you are a teenager, whether you are an adult, whatever you are, I just want you to know that is not true. You can have anxiety and you can still make it to heaven. You can have depression and you can still make it to heaven. And I want you to know, and we're going to talk about it in a little bit, but you are not alone in reference to those things. But don't give in to this idea that this makes you less than little theological Bible Joe here on the right, all because you have anxiety. Um, it, it doesn't make you a little less than a Christian. And so I don't know if you need to hear that today, um, but it doesn't. So the next thing that I want to bring up is that taking medicine for mental health isn't a quote-unquote sin. When it comes to this, um, many people can read that and then they can think, oh wait, you're just trying to say that medicine, it fixes everything. And it definitely doesn't. Medicine can be an aid, but it is not gonna fix a mental health condition that you might struggle with. Um, but if we go by what is included biblically speaking, there isn't an indicator for medicine to quote unquote be a sin. The way it does become a sin is if the medicine you take for whatever mental health condition it is, if it causes you to not become sober-minded, then that is when you need to start having the conversation of, okay, this might be along the lines of sin. But many of the medicines that are created for mental health conditions, they oftentimes work on ser serotonin inhibitors and other fancy chemical names that usually don't have to do with sober-minded and not sober-minded. And so, with that, it isn't quote-unquote wrong for you to take a medicine as an aid for depression. It isn't wrong, quote unquote, um, to take a medicine along those lines. And I'm gonna tell you guys something that I'm kind of slightly insecure about, but I'm gonna tell you right now in front of this entire crowd, um, just so you can know that you're not alone if you do this. Um, I, Brandon McCowan, the youth pastor at Canosa City Church, I take Zoloft for anxiety. 
and I have since I was younger, and it's just one of those things where I think I can eventually wean myself off of it. But to this day, I'm still taking it. And um, it's been a help. It has been a huge aid for me in my anxiety. Um, I do want to say in reference, though, to medicine, is that many people um, can take medicine into their own hands, and then they can self-medicate. They can go into, I don't know, this random health store, and it's like, I'm going to grab all these wellness pills and shove it down my esophagus. That's not the best route. Um, don't take medicine that is not prescribed by a doctor, because doctors know much more about mental health than you or I do. Um, and so if you are going to take medicine or think about and pray about taking medicine, um, have a talk with an expert, not WebMD, please. Um, the next thing I want to say is, in reference to mental health, the environment that you are placed in relates to your mental health. And there should be a slide for that, I'm not sure. But the environment you are placed in relates to your mental health. Think about when you were younger, whether you're a teenager or an adult in here in this room. Did you ever feel like there was egg cells when you were walking? Did you ever feel um, that you couldn't fully be yourself because you were afraid that you would get called out? Um, was it an, an, an anxiety-inducing environment that you were placed within? If it was, it's quite possible that how you were brought up or even where you're at now is the reason that you might struggle with a particular mental health condition. If you are at a job, and I understand because we, we want to try to provide for our families, that is what we're, we're supposed to try to do, right? Um, but sometimes if you're at a job that just really you don't enjoy, but you know it pays the bills, the environment that you're in, that could quite possibly cause you to become an angrier person, a more depressed individual. Um, so always ask yourself, what are the environments I'm placing myself in? How is this benefiting my own mental health? How, how is this, and not even that, if you're a parent in here um, and you have teenagers, what is the environment you are placing and creating for your kids, for your teenagers? Because if they feel that they have to be on Excels and give you the very particular correct answer 100% of the time, then that can develop anxiety, and then they're going to, by the time they get older, um, they can have struggles that they possibly wouldn't have had if they didn't have a healthy environment to be in. Um, so always ask yourself, not only what environments are you placing yourself in, but what environments am I creating for others? Um, it's a very powerful thing. It relates to the chemicals in our brain, and it has so many things that it um, cooperates with. So the next one that I want to talk about in relation to mental health is that you are not alone. Look to your left and right. Everybody say, hello? Hello? Look to your left and right. Is the person next to you living and breathing? Are they taking in oxygen? They are, at least I think. Unless they're a robot or one of those AI Neuralink robot things that Elon Musk talks about. Um, there's so many living and breathing human creatures in here. And each of you have your own personal struggles. And statistically speaking, of all the people in here, without a doubt, there's people who struggle with one of those disorders that we listed earlier. And so if you're one of those people who struggle with one of those, I just want to scream this from the top of my lungs, you are not alone. 
this isn't something that you need to feel like, you know what, nobody's going to understand me. Because guess what? God understands you for one. But two, you'd be surprised by how many other people also struggle with similar things. It might not be to the 100% same extent that you struggle with something, um, but you aren't alone. And so talk to other people. There is so much power in that. Um, Never fall into the lie that you're the only one who struggles with it. Because if you do that, Satan can use that to cause you to just go into this dark, deep hole that can become really hard to get out of. So don't fall into the lie that you are alone because you aren't at all. The next thing I want to say, and this is a pretty crazy one, is that people in the Bible struggled with mental health. Everybody say, whoa. Whoa. One more time in the chat, say, whoa. Whoa. We do see that today mental health is a huge problem in society, but that doesn't mean that It wasn't a thing in biblical times because guess what? It was. Sure, the statistics nowadays might be on the rise, but it still happened in the Bible. David, who knows good old David? The man who slayed the giant. The man who slayed Goliath. The man who was after God's own heart. He struggled with a form of depression. He had to navigate the trauma of being treated as the least of his father's sons, being threatened by the same king he had been loyal to, and then even betrayed by his own son. In Psalms chapter 6, verses 6 through 7, David writes, I am worn out from my groaning. All night long, I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of my foes. And then in Psalms chapter 69, verses 1 through 3, and I'm not sure if we have verses up there for it, but um, it says, Save me, O God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I am in deep water. The floods overwhelm me. I am exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for my God to help me. That is, sounds like a very depressed individual who wrote that. Have you ever felt one of those moments, such as the, my eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for my God to help me? In your own life, have you ever been in those moments? Because David, this dude, who slayed Goliath, was after God's own heart, he had those moments. And in the book of Psalms, we see many, many different examples of him experiencing those feelings of depression. Um, Then Elijah, who in here has ever heard of Elijah? He struggled with suicidal thoughts. In the book of 1 Kings, uh, chapter 19, verses 3 through 9, It says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone in the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, 
for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank and the food he and the food gave enough strength to travel 40 days and nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. This leads me and, and which is crazy that he literally asked God to take his life, which is crazy to even read. Um, this leads me into some of the ways to help in the midst of mental health struggles, whether you're a teenager or an adult and you came in here. And the first one is to eat and get some rest. God knows what he was doing when he created food. Amen. God knew what he was doing when he created the experience known as taking a nap. There is, I'm not even going to go into the chemical science behind why that helps, um, but it's powerful. And I think God demonstrated in, in that, you know, <clears throat> passage we saw, I think he was demonstrating the power in even just classic eating and resting. Because if he, he didn't do that, he wouldn't have had the strength to continue on for 40 days and nights. But because he ate, because he took some rest, because he slowed down, he was able to push forward. So ask yourself, the next time you're in the midst of horrible depression, horrible anxiety, whatever mental health struggle you might have, or even just in the midst of heavy emotion, when was the last time you slowed down and got some good old Cyril's custard and took a nap? There is power in that. Um, and I think God designed it that way. It's simple, but come on, it works. Um, but don't go into gluttony, please. Um, the next one that um, helps in the midst of mental health struggles is, actually I'm going to say the verse first. Um, in Philippians 4.8, it says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. To help in the midst of mental health struggles, thinking negatively lacks benefit, so think positively. Some people are more prone to fall into a negative mindset than others. I'm not going to sit here and try to promote saying, oh, man, just go into the energies and try to do some sort of weird new age thing. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what we see, biblically speaking, is that there is more power to thinking about what is admirable, thinking about what is righteous. Try to tell me if every single time, um, if you're in the midst of anxiety and depression, what is the benefit to sitting there and thinking, man, I'm never going to get out of this. I'm never going to be able to move forward. Can you tell me a benefit? I understand being used as an excuse just to be, I call it a good old negative Nancy. Um, how much of a negative Nancy in your own life are you being? Um, because if anything, if we're to say, okay, which pattern of thought should I go towards? We see that God calls us 
to lean more towards the positive side of things than the negative. I'm not saying be a happy-go-lucky, everything is sunshine and rainbows and gumdrops and great when you walk into rooms. Um, I'm not saying be that, but if you had to choose, do I be negative or do I be positive? Be positive. There is so much more benefit that comes forth doing that. Um, and if you think more, uh, more positive about your anxiety and depression, um, there's some benefits that can come from that, seriously. The next one is remember that it won't be fixed in one day. So many times, especially like I, I can recall in my times of horrible anxiety, that I would, I would literally throw myself um, into my room. Sometimes I would throw myself into my closet and I would lock it. And I would sit there and I would just sulk in the feelings. And I would say, I absolutely hate what I am experiencing. I wish I was dead. I don't want to deal with myself anymore. Why can't this just be fixed? What can I do to fix it? And I would get into these dark um, tunnels of thought. And the thing is, is that I would sit there and think to myself at least, man, what would, it would feel so good if it was just gone. Um, I want you to know that many, with anxiety, depression, a bipolar disorder, self-harm, many of those things aren't things that are going to be fixed in one day. It is a process. Can you fix it in one day and be good to go? You can, and I think that God can easily cause that to happen because God is a powerful God. But many times, it is going to be a process. And so remember that it won't be fixed in one day. And the next thing is to talk to God about it. We serve a God who loves you. We serve a God who wants to hear about what's going on in your life. Does God already know what you're going through? Yes, he is all-knowing. Some people can use that as an excuse to not talk to God. But here's the thing. I have my wife, Alyssa, right there. Feel free to raise your hand and embarrass yourself. Yeah, I love doing that to her. Her cheeks are probably going to get red because of me. Um, she'll know when I'm going through something. If I'm having a horrible day, a day where I'm just down in the dumps, and I don't tell her what's going on and something's wrong, I don't need to say it, but she'll already know that something's wrong, right? But if, I, if, she, if she just um, goes forth and, you know, tries to address even, like, that can help. But it means so much more when I go to her and I say, Alyssa, you know what, I am struggling, and I, I, could, I could really use your help. It means so much more to her that I talk to her about it instead of her having to run to me, smack me upside the head, talk to me. It means so much more to her um, if there's that line of communication, that connection that happens. And the same thing is with God. It means so much to God if we can, because he already knows what we're going through, but it means so much more when we can actually let it out of our mouth or our heart if you pray silently and cause that connection to occur. God cares about it. And in reference to if I was struggling with something um, along the lines with, say, with Alyssa, Alyssa cares about it. Um, but let that point of connection occur. God wants to help you with these things. And guess what? God is a healer. We serve a God 
who is capable. We serve a God who where depression holds no might. We serve a God to where a bipolar disorder serves no might whatsoever. I have seen God heal people with suicidal thoughts. I have seen God heal people with depression. All those basically disorders, there's stories of God doing amazing things and healing those things. So he is capable. So when was the last time that you asked God to heal you of those things? When you're talking to God, are you saying, God, I give this to you, take it away from me? And no, I'm not saying that no, with beyond a, a shadow of a doubt, each and every single time, God's going to heal it. But I do know that God is capable and he's done it before. So you might, you might be one of those people who God heals. So talk to him and ask him to do that. I, one of my main prayers as a youth pastor here is to see Generation Z, because of how crazy big the statistics are of mental health, I am hoping to see God heal multitudes of people with anxiety and depression, and then they can use that to share the gospel. And that is one of those things that I am praying so heavily. And it's not just out of my own quote-unquote desire. It's just because I know God can do it, and he can get the glory out of it. And it is, God is capable. And so in your own life, when was the last time you asked God to heal you? Because he can do it, which is something we should praise him for, because he is worthy. Um, In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So talk to God about it. What are you struggling with? Talk to God about it. He wants to hear it. The next one is to talk to others. Earlier, we talked about how you're not alone. But you might not be able to figure out truly, I mean, you can hear me go up here and ramble on about you're not alone. Um, But you won't fully be able to experience that realization moment of, you know what? I'm not alone unless you have a conversation with somebody. And so I'm not saying go to every random, you know, person on the street and say, by the way, I struggle with depression. I'm not saying do that. But I am saying find friends who you trust and open up to them. Don't just hold it in and feel like they're not going to understand. Um, Find mentors in your life, people who you trust who, um, who are somebody who you want to be like. Talk to them. If you're a teenager in here, maybe you can talk to, and if you come to Revolution Youth, talk to a leader. Um, and if you're not in Revolution Youth, maybe you're a little bit older than that, talk to a pastor. Um, but the, don't just hold it in. There is power in community. The Apostle Paul talks about how we need to not neglect the gathering. And so I might not be, um, I think, uh, I don't want to do a false exegesis, my bad. But um, <clears throat> there is this power in community. And so talk to others, talk to others, talk to others. The next one is, if you have Christ, remember the mental health struggles aren't for eternity. See, that slide says if you have Christ, remember this isn't for eternity. <laughs> that, that, if you read that, that, that does not look good. Um, if you have Christ, 
That was my bad when I sent the notes. I take responsibility for that one. I did the same thing when we did a similar sermon to the youth. So my bad. Um, but if you have Christ, if you know for a fact that you're going to heaven, that if you were asked, beyond a shadow of doubt, do you know where you'd be after you died and you said heaven? Guess what? The struggles of mental health, the struggles that you're experiencing in this world, not even just mental health, but all the craziness that's the world, it is going to come to an end. We're going to reach the kingdom of God and experience Jesus and God in all of their glory and not need to sit there and think about, you know what, remember back on earth where my anxiety was really bad? You're not going to need to do that because you're not even going to be focused on your life here on earth. You're going to be so fixated on the glory of God and the greatness that is in heaven. And so if you came in here today and you're, you are at your end and you're just like, man, this is too much for me. I want you to know that this isn't where it ends. This life right here is literally just the trial run. There's so much more. There's this, li- this is such a little blip in time. It's gone in a snap. I was talking to one of my mentors this week and I was like, man, I'm 23 and I feel like I was like 18 yesterday. And he was like, oh, you don't even know, sir. You're gonna, life is gone in a snap. And all of the struggles that happen in the midst of life, I can't emphasize enough how much is gonna be nothing when we're in heaven. And so my prayer is that if you have anxiety, you have depression, you struggle with suicidal thoughts, my prayer 100% is that God heals you. And I believe that he can, and I don't want to neglect that. But I also recognize that because we live in a broken world, not absolutely everybody is going to get healed. But in heaven, you're not going to need to deal with that. But then there's some of you in here who maybe came in, you weren't sure what you believed. If somebody was to come to you and say, hey, If you were to die right now, where would you go? And instead of saying heaven, you wouldn't know what to say. I want you to know that God, he truly did send his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins. So you can enter his kingdom. It's not out of our works about how good you are, quote unquote, because none of us are good. It's only him who is good. But He sent his son so you could spend eternity with him. So this world that's filled with the crud that it's filled with, the depression that it's filled with, so you can experience eternal life that lacks all of that. And I mentioned this last time I was up here, and I'm going to say it again, but I don't want you to use the possibility of, oh, well, there's not enough proof, quote, unquote, that God's real to be to to be the indicator or be the reason why you don't come to him. Because I spent much of my life um, during, I was between 14 and 15, I went deep into the rabbit hole um, of looking into the science, looking into the history of religion. And I want you to know that there's so many arguments, there's so many um, things you can go back and forth on. But as I went deeper and deeper, all the proof just pointed back to there being an omnipotent creator, God. And so, and and actually just recently, not too long ago, I think it was 67 scholars um, said that the eyewitness testimonies found in the book of John are authentic. And so 
if you're in here and you're like, you know, I, I think a life in heaven sounds absolutely amazing, but I'm not sure if it's real. I want you to know that um, I would love to have a conversation with you after service if that's the reason, but um, God is real and he is active and he's doing amazing things and he's healing people. And he wants you to spend eternity with him. Seriously. So, with that said, let's pray really quick. Dear Heavenly Father God, we praise you. God, we thank you um, just for the fact that we get to spend eternity in, with you. That, yes, there's horrible struggles with mental health, Lord, but um, you're greater than all of that. And you want to help us with those things. So we thank you for that. God, I pray for this entire congregation that they will talk to you in the midst of their struggles, that they won't just keep it in, but they'll make that phone line connection to you and say, you know what, Lord, I am struggling. And that, they, that they'll intentionally take time out of their days to talk to you about those things, that they'll talk to others. Lord God, I pray for those in this congregation who have been struggling for years and haven't had any breakthrough, and this is getting worse and worse. God, I pray for them. God, I pray that you make yourself known to them. Wrap your arms around them. God, I pray that you help them. God, I pray that you heal them. God, I pray that you do something miraculous. Lord God, thank you so much just for how you care about us because we don't deserve it, and yet you're sitting here and you're giving it to us. So we thank you and we praise you. Lord God, I also want to pray for those in this room who possibly haven't given their lives to you. Um, God, I, I, I thank you that you might be tugging on their heart. If that's you in this room with nobody looking around and you want to make a commitment say to say, Jesus, I want to be with you. When I die, I want to know for a fact that I'll be in heaven, that I won't need to live in this world with all the anxiety and depression that there is. That I'll be able to, be able to spend eternity with you. If that's you and you want to make a commitment to Jesus they, and declare that he died for your sins and rose, you can feel free to raise your hand. So Lord, we thank you for the people who rose their hand. God, we declare, we declare that you died for us and we believe in you. And we thank you so much for doing that. God, once again, I just pray for the mental health of this entire congregation. Whatever it looks like, Lord, I pray that they'll talk to you and that, they, that you'll do something great within them. God, I pray for Generation Z. God, I pray for the teenagers in this room and all across Canosa who is struggling. That instead of giving into substances, that instead of giving into binge-watching YouTube videos to try and ignore the problems that they're going through, Lord, God, I pray that they will come to you and give themselves to you and that you will help them. God, our minds are broken, but you are the master fixer. So we give ourselves to you. We make ourselves available. In your amazing name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to know more about Kenosha City Church, then check us out online at kenosha.church 
or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Kenosha City Church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to follow us so that you never have to miss an episode. At Kenosha City Church, we are not perfect people, but real people being made new through Jesus.